Hey, you beautiful light worker. Thanks so much for listening to the Golden Otter Divinations podcast, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream. I'm your host, Autumn Seibel, and today on episode 303, I have Anne Jersh talking about future life progression and how we can use it to create working lives we love. After listening, you can find more information by heading to the show notes, where you'll find links to our website, Instagram, and YouTube channel. From there, you can access any new or full moon rituals we discuss and get more information on how to join the Lunar Manifestations co-creation tribe. Come visit us anytime at goldenotterdivinations.com. That's golden like the precious metal and otter like the precious animal divinations.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next live uh, members only call at the next new or full moon and meeting you during your private one-to-one new moon intention planting ceremony that's included in your annual membership. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you like to be here, please leave us a review. Each review allows us to reach even more light workers like you, spreading light and love while raising our collective vibration. Okay, enjoy the episode. And if you have any questions about mediumship, manifestation, moons, or all things metaphysical, feel free to drop me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Love and light, Autumn. Hi, everyone. I'm Autumn, and you're listening to Golden Otter Divinations. Thanks for joining us today as we explore where the metaphysical meets the mainstream. Join us each week as we share new, informative, and engaging interviews with medical experts, practicing mediums, intuitives, healers, and many more to help uplift, educate, and empower listeners like you to find physical and spiritual healing. So today, I have a future life progressionist on this show, which I'm so excited about. You guys know I always get really excited for new guests. Um, her name is Ann Jersh. She's an international trainer and speaker, but she's best known as an intuitive, leading world pioneer of future life progression, also known as FLP. This technique uses a blend of clinical hypnosis and visualization to guide clients into their own future to discover their best options regarding their life choices. Anne's FLP training company is now in 20 countries, and she's regularly consulted by business leaders, Hollywood directors, and politicians for advice. Anne has appeared on numerous radio shows, having regular slots on Star FM and BBC Radio. She's a Brit. And she's also appeared on Kuwait Morning Television, Estonia Television, and uh, more recently this morning, where she hypnotized celebrity Natalie Cassidy <laughs> and took her into her future lifetime. I actually did one of Anne's uh, hypnosis too and met my future, like my future version. So we'll talk about that too. Anyways, you can visit Anne's website to learn more. It's www.andrish.com. All right, without further ado, welcome to Golden Otter Divinations, Anne. Hello, so how lovely to meet you. So lovely to meet you guys. I, I, um, I guess most of my guests are usually American. I'm like, oh, I got to tell her she's British because I'm referencing all these <laughs> British shows. Um, okay, so to raise our vibration and really get in the flow, I like to start the show by asking all my guests if they've had any golden moments lately. So golden meaning a time you were just totally in the flow. Maybe it was sent um, from spirit or in your case, a future life or an interaction that just seemed otherworldly. Something made, your, made you smile or made your heart sing. Any golden moments lately? There's been so many lately. It, it's, it's funny because we're in this um, lockdown at the moment. We're right in the middle of the mm-hmm. lockdown. And, and it's been interesting because so many people have been wobbly. And so many people have been struggling. But, do you know, the golden moments are in that because what it's done is it's given people a chance to pause and think. And all of a sudden they go, I know what I need to do. I realize, you know, they, they have these big epiphanies. So I think the lockdown is bringing a lot of golden moments. Mine is um, my new book. I mean, it, it actually, it's about how business and work is changing. And it came out the week of the lockdown. So the timing is a golden moment for me because it come out very weak and it's on that subject. So that's, that's been a real cool one. That's a, you know what, that's funny. I was actually going to ask you that as I was, I've been reading your uh, book all week. Future vision, your working life. Am I getting that? Yeah. Yeah. Future vision, your working life. Um, and as I was reading it, I was like, when did she write this? When did she release this? Because it was all so spot on, especially if you go to like the very last chapter, you interview kind of um, experts in their field of business, technology, media, banking, um, yeah. oil and gas executives. And they all have this like future prediction of like what's going to happen with our life yeah. or with our world. And I was reading it right now, we're in the end of May, um, May 2020 is when this episode is being recorded. And I was like, this is so apropos for the moment. So when did you actually write the book? If it was just published, you would have been writing it last year, 2019? I actually started five years ago and I don't usually take that long over a book. In fact, I never have done. This is my fifth book and I've never taken that long. But it was about five years ago, my clients were coming to me with different problems. 
And they were saying, I've done this for so many years. It's always worked. Now I haven't got any work. Things were mm -hmm. suddenly changing. And they were trying to hang on to the old. They were trying to revamp things that were no longer working. And in the spiritual field, in some areas, there's far too many doing certain things. But I could see the world was going to keep changing and keep evolving. Mm -hmm. And I thought, we now need different strategies in the future. Mm -hmm. So... I spent three years researching, and that's when I went to certain people that you mentioned and interviewed them. And they're people that never seem to worry. They just stroll into the future. Very different backgrounds, as you say. One of them's a Norwegian businessman, another one's a lady in oil and gas, a couple of Hollywood directors. And they always seem to anticipate well the direction to go, and they don't worry because fear will freeze us and make us make the wrong decisions. So I spent three years thinking, what do we need? One of the things I do, you're going to love this, I go into the future <laughs> and keep dipping into the future book. So we, we actually mm. go into the future and take a look at the book, thinking, what have I got in there that we need? Uh, and I went off, so I spent three years researching, I spent two years writing. I usually spend six wow. months on a book and I spent two years. So it's been a very big book for me to write. And because it's quite business orientated, it was a risk because publishers like you to go, that's a spiritual book, that's a business book, but a spiritual yeah. business book, that is one where uh, Watkins have been very brave because, you know, what shelf do you put it on? You know, what department do you go yeah. to? Who's, and they like to really define who the book's for. So mm -hmm. it's been a, a kind of a, a leap of faith for them. But, um, but amazingly, the amount of shows in America, that are, the amount of people in America out of everywhere in the world is the place where they're going, I like this. Uh, yeah. So it's really interesting. The American people aren't scared of change from what I'm seeing, <laughs> the people I'm talking to. They're not scared of change. They're bring it on. Whereas a lot of other places are quite spooky. So, yeah, so the fact that I spent mm. five years on it and it came out the week of the lockdown was significant, I feel. It was, I mean, the timing is, is amazing in and of itself. Um, but what you were saying about your book being, is it a spiritual book? Is it a, bit, is it a business book? It's so funny. As I was reading this, so I'm, I'm full woo. I, I jokingly say I swim in the deep waters of the woo pond. I'm like, you want to talk to me about like out there things, celestial beings, angels, <laughs> mediumship, manifestation. Like you, I, yes, I will listen to it all. Will I uh, like actively use it all or <laughs> like, like, uh, support it all? Maybe not, but I will absolutely listen to it. I was a history teacher for over a decade, and I always think that the way ahead is by looking at what has come before. And if there's anything that we can learn, why not at least look at it? You know, there's no there's no reason to kind of like count things out just because of what category they're in. Mm -hmm. And what I found so amazing about your book was that as I was reading it, I could see um, the underlying spiritual principles like all throughout it. I was like, oh, okay, so I would call this like a chakra, like a you know, like you talk about. We'll talk about it later, but the three brains, like Saul, yeah. Becky, and Joe. And I was like, oh, cool. So she's like checking with chakras. And I just had a conversation um, with somebody about this last night. Who's like, well, my husband's considering like a move. And like, we're, you know, this, this pandemic has changed everything. And I think everybody now knows like we, there is a new way forward. Our lifestyles are going to be changing. A lot of us has been working for home. I've been working for home from home for a couple of years, but um, other people who are new to it are like, I actually kind of like this. My husband's active duty military for the last 14, no, it's almost I don't even know, since 2003 of his life, <laughs> how many years that is, somebody did the math. He's been up at the crack of dawn, doing PT, going, 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 going. This is the first time in our 13 years of marriage and his whatever 17 year career that he's like, holy cow, I've never just been still this long and really gotten the chance to evaluate what's working, and what's not. And, yeah. you know, the military is going to change from this. Business is going to change from this. Yeah. And that's why your book is so cool um, to get back to what I was saying is that I actually found myself already recommending it to somebody. So with head spinning advances in tech and the seeming endless stream of choices and information, your book can help us adapt and filter out the white noise um, to avoid being left behind in the future that's unfolding right in front of our eyes. So you already talked a little bit about why you wrote this book. What was your background? Because we were talking a little bit about like, is the book metaphysical? Is it business? What was your background, Anne? Uh, my background's a li little bit of both, that, and I say that, although I work in the spiritual field, I think it's important for spiritual people to take themselves seriously. And mm -hmm. what's lovely, and I'm finding this, again, more with America, people in the spiritual field are on top of technology, they're taking themselves seriously. In England, people feel a little bit 
embarrassed to be businesslike if they work in the spiritual field. And I always say, uh -huh. well, you know, if you want to make it a little hobby, great. But if you actually want to work in this field, you've got to take yourself seriously. So I work in the, um, I worked in the spiritual field for 45 years. So I've been around all this a very long time, um, very long time. My grandmother was actually a fortune teller uh, and she'd read the tea leaves, you know, um, in the East End of London. And I, I used to want to be intuitive and I used to watch her and think, I'm going to do this. And I try and have a premonition. I never have got it right once, you know, not even by guess. But I knew it worked. So I went in search of intuition. I went in search, which sounds crazy, but I went off traveling. And at the time, all, we didn't have a lot of information in England all that time ago. There weren't spiritual books in your local bookstore, mm -hmm. you didn't have spiritual magazines. We didn't have the internet. And so I went in search trying to find information. I went off to India in my teens. I went, traveled, I went to ashrams and listened to gurus, didn't learn, didn't understand any of it, you know. And then I had this amazing experience. I was in Calcutta and this beggar was sitting on a mat and people were just captivated by him. Mm -hmm. And so I keep going and talking to him and he became like my guru in India, a beggar. It's the most odd thing. He was an amazing guy. And that, to us, we just didn't, we were quite naive and I'd ask him really dumb questions. You know, now I think back to things I, I actually thought the spirituality stuff was something new. Of course, in India, it's thousands of years old. So he must have thought I was a, a silly girl, but he taught me a lot of things. And when I came back, I opened up, something, something opened up. Before that, I tried to read tarot cards several times and I didn't really quite get it. You know, I, they were so complicated. You get the little book, you know, the little book you get with a card and I try and understand it. What does that card mean when it's next to that one and by that one? Never ever understood any of it. Um, it was far too complicated. When I came back from India, my best friend bought me a pack of tarot cards. I looked at them and I knew what they meant. It was like they were talking to me. I didn't learn them. Mm -hmm. I'd look at a card and it would tell me things. It was the strangest. I still work that way now, um, rather than trying to learn all the meanings for each card. And so I happily worked with cards for many years. Absolutely dream job. And then I was always fascinated by um, past life regression. But again, you couldn't Google people back then. I'd hear about yeah. these amazing experiences, but I couldn't find a regressionist. I could not find one. Now and again, somebody says, oh, I had a great experience. I say, who is it with? Give me their number. And I'd call the number and it'd be a dead number. You know, it just could never. <laughs> it was just really frustrating. And then... This was a number of years I was trying to, I wanted to be regressed. The stories blew me away. And then Denise Lynn, you know Denise Lynn? I don't know her. Is she British? Is she an American? No, she's American, but she came over and she must have timed it right because there was 800 people in the room. 800. Wow. It's the biggest thing, spiritual thing I've ever been to. And she's amazing. If you ever get a chance to see her, I still think she's the best in the world with past life. She took 800 people in, into a past life. And that was it. It was absolutely mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing experience. She actually said, you've got people around you you've known in the past life that you've never met them this time around. And she got you to face somebody, somebody you knew before. And we, we all partnered up with someone and saw the same past life connected to them. It was a mind-blowing experience. She had actually said, the seats weren't numbered. You just went and sat where you sat. She actually said one section of the audience are from the same time and place. She actually said that. Huh. She, and she said, anybody from India, anybody from this, and then she went, any, she must have known. She said, any First World War pilots, the whole section of the audience put their hands up. It oh, my goodness. It was, it was absolutely mind-blowing. So I came back from that, and because and, I'd always been fascinated, that was it, I was hooked. But there was no training anywhere. So I thought, I really have to work with this. So I went and trained in clinical hypnotherapy. It's just one of the things mm -hmm. I thought, I better learn a few techniques. I ought to have some sort of certificate. So I trained in clinical hypnotherapy, started writing my own scripts. Of course, I had a client base and they loved it. So for another 20 years, I carried on doing that. I carried on doing past life regression and tarot cards. I wasn't planning anything else. Then now and again, we got, because I'm not far from Windsor, Queen lives up the road. Mm -hmm. She hasn't popped oh, into okay. me yet, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe still time on the clock. <laughs> still time on the clock. 
but a, a lad we got an army base nearby and uh, maybe megan markle will megan markle seems the type she's 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 she low-key will maybe she, maybe she'll pop in although maybe they're back she, in the states now but anyway you never know you never know you never Michael. know <laughs> <laughs> so anyways you're saying in windsor yeah, so um, one of the, a very young lad that was at the barracks, and he didn't tell any of his friends, he was, in, he was very curious about spiritual stuff. So he came for a reading mm -hmm. one day, and I could see he was itching to learn more, so I lent him a book. And what happened was, for several years, he would pop in, he'd go, oh, have you got any, any meditation? There was tapes back then, and a book yeah. to read, and he was just fascinated. And one day, he left a book, he forgot to hide it away, and one, two of the other soldiers saw it and went, oh, I've got a book on past life. And he was a bit awkward thinking they were going to take the mickey. And they were both interested. She said, go and see Anne. And this started, ultimately started, the most amazing sequence of events. They came over and I did them a parcel of progression, but I separate one straight after the other. And they both saw themselves on a huge ship. They were Vikings. Dave came in. He said, Steve's beside me. Steve come in. We're Vikings. We're on a huge ship. <laughs> Dave said, and that was happening. They were popping in once a week and would match, their, match up. In the end, I taught them regression. And one day they came over to see me and they said, we've seen you in one of our regressions. We want to know what happened back then. So I brought in somebody else to take the three of us back because these soldier lads, they said there's a reason why we've all met up. There is a mm -hmm. reason. They, they really mm -hmm. felt there was a reason. So I've got somebody to take the three of us back to fight to a past life that we'd all had to go and see if there's any answers. And not one of us went back, all three of us jumped forward. And this was three weeks before the attack on the Twin Towers. We saw it. And it was, it was, it was at the time we thought we just had a rubbish session. We just said, we didn't go back. <laughs> we didn't see what we need to see. Don't know why we saw all that. And we just thought, yeah. so, so one of them saw two skyscrapers, smoke coming out of them, helicopter going around. He said, it's CNN. Uh, this is America, there's smoke coming out of these two tall buildings, there's people on the ground running, there's dust everywhere. That was Steve. Dave said, this is weird, I've not gone back either, but I'm looking out over a bay, it's America, and he said, it's as if the skyline has changed. And he said, but wow. how, how can a skyline change? That's what he said. And then um, I just said, all I'm seeing is Middle East oil pipeline. So we just went, oh, that we're rubbish today we can't see what we need to see gave up of course three weeks later the lads called me up and said put on the news it's all happening what that we saw and i'd forgotten about it by then and we were quite shell-shocked because we didn't know enough to stop it we didn't know enough to change yeah. anything but after a few weeks i started steve had gone back because he, he's up in scotland he'd gone back up to scotland started working with dave a lot and i said let's see if we can look at other world events because this could be useful so we, for three years, we then kept predicting world, not the odd fluke, we consistently predicted world events. Mm. So the very first thing we worked on was, I, I just said, um, let's see, let's see, will they find Bin Laden? And he said, they're not even looking. And so I was mm. guiding him through this. He said, anyway, uh, they, meaning America and UK, are planning to invade Iraq. That's what he said. And they said there's going to be an attack on Iraq. And we laughed. It sounded so ridiculous at the time. It doesn't yeah. now, but at the time, it's like, whoa, that is ridiculous. Of course, that unfolded. And we consistently kept, kept mentioning world events. Then one of the self-help gurus said, and you need to document this, you need to write it down. Yeah. So this particular chap, I took him into the future. And he's based in London. He said, I'm seeing myself an American TV show, and I've got a house in Hollywood Hills in five years. He said, I've got no plans to go back to America. Within weeks, he'd had a call from Mark Burnett, said, come out, I want to talk to you about a show. He got the house, the exact house. Yeah. Uh, he found the house and bought it. He got the show. But while he was forward, he said, and you're doing well. You've got a three-book deal. Now, I was totally unknown, totally unknown. I mean, if you're Victoria Beckham or Madonna, you can get a three-book deal. But I was totally unknown. Within weeks, I had a three-book deal. And that really got my interest because I thought <laughs> we're bringing the best of the future. We're fast tracking. Uh, we're bringing it into our current consciousness. And I like that because we waste, don't we waste a lot of time on the wrong thing, go down the wrong road. We, yeah. waste a lot of time. we were fast tracking the future. So my life changed 
pretty much overnight. I started taking my clients five years and they were doing the same thing. They're coming back saying, what I saw at five years is happening now. One of them, she saw herself married. She described the guy. She's an Indian girl and she, she's described her future husband. She described the kitchen, what he did for a living, what he was wearing. And a magazine actually wrote up the stories. It's all documented. And she, it's so funny because she said, he looks like an Asian George Clooney, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that you're saying all this about like, it sounds like you were trying to go into a past life and then accidentally or intentionally or serendipitously oh. slipped into a few weeks ahead. And um, yeah, I, oh, so many things that you mentioned that I want to say. So first of all, if anybody has seen uh, season one, I did a past life. I interviewed a woman who wrote about past lives and how we can kind of examine them and understand what exactly that that is. Um, her name was Dina Miriam, and that's episode like 108, I believe. You can, you guys, it'll be in the show notes. As a follow-up to that, right, like the week before I recorded that episode, or the week I was recording that episode, my husband has surprised me for my birthday with like, he found a hypnotist, and a friend and I went and were supposed to see her together, and I kept getting really nervous, and I'm super into this stuff, but even I was like having resistance. And then I went and she took me back to like a lifetime in Egypt and we cleared a bunch of stuff. And I learned about like, kind of like um, how I stored disease in my body and how if I continued doing those same things that I was doing in a past life in this life, I would, because I don't do any of like the usual suspects. I don't smoke. I don't really drink. I don't, you know, I don't have any like huge major vices, but I do store stress and I get anxious about things. And I could see how that had like metastasized in a past life and then metastasized in this could fantasticize in this life. It's not, I've dematerialized it. And even fast forward a couple months from that, maybe, no, gosh, and it was like almost a, almost a year later, my husband and I had like, we call them come to Jesus talks in America. We just had like a real talk. And he's like, I'm worried about that stuff that came up in this past life regression because I can see that now. And he's like, and I feel like, he's like, I just heard it second hand. He's like, but I feel like that is true. He goes, I've been holding that in my energy. And, you know, he's a military guy. Like he's very, you know, Georgetown guy, like smart, smart, smart guy. But he was tapping into his own intuition. He's like, Autumn, I know that to be true in my heart and my soul. He's like, and that was the past. I don't want that for us now. This has to change. And I was like, okay, I will like stop being stressed because I see how it like affects people. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you said um, about future life or future houses is um, in the show notes, I've included a link to your to your downloads page where you have a couple of free downloads and one is on your future house. And last night I did it with my husband and we are comparing notes of like the different things we want in our future, future house. So if you're listening and you guys might be moving, go check out the um, show notes because that is going to be in there. But I really love this idea of past lives are so big in the metaphysical community. And it's a lot of like, Oh, well, what happened to me before? And how is it stuck? Um, a lot of women are examining like this witch wound that has happened. Um, like, to, you know, in, in culturally and what that means about being spiritual, about, about being female and being a business owner. Um, yeah. A lot of past life stuff. I always, I always appreciate what is said in a past life reading and I always like take it in and see how I can keep it moving. But what I love about the idea of future life progression is that it allows you to go forward and meet this, maybe not ideal or perfect version of yourself, but a version of yourself that has it a little bit more together than the current yeah. version. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that. So like, how, how does it work? How do we, you know, how does our intuition work? Do we all have a creative inner genius? And how, even if we um, can't find a future life progressionist like yourself, how can we, how can we do that, Anne? Like, how can we tap into our future self? It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to do. It's completely changed me. Uh, when I work with clients, they walk different, their stance is different, their attitude is different, they attract different things. It changes you. Most of the practitioners work online. I mean, they're doing Zoom sessions. I'd, I'd say have a session, but I have some downloads. If your listeners want a free download, drop me a message and I will send you a free, I can email you out um, a free download where you find your best possible future or a future lifetime. I'm happy to send you a free one. It's really nice, nice to experience. Now, you mentioned the creative genius. That's one of the chapters in my book. And one of the things I noticed was the people that are doing really well and who seem to anticipate the future are ideas people, people with plenty of ideas. Now, grandparents' day, they just did for work whatever was laid out in front of them. If there was a factory mm -hmm. at the end of the road, they worked in the factory. If there was farms around, they worked at farms. They didn't have choices. 
And they didn't question that because why would they? Because they were in survival mode. We're no longer in survival mode. You can choose what you do. You can think, do I want to be an accountant? Do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a um, therapist? You've got choices. As we go into the future, we, we can hone, do work that's for our heart. We can do things that we love and that we're suitable for. How many people in the past ended up in jobs they hated, but that's what was laid out in front of you? Can you imagine? So the creative genius, as AI, artificial intelligence, is already taking over jobs. It, mm-hmm. Far more than people realise. When I start pointing out what is already around us, they're quite astonished but already it's taken over a lot of work. That's not necessarily bad things. It frees you up to do meaningful work. Yeah, so and that's what you talk about in your book. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You talk yeah. about that in, in your book. Is, and it, I, I keep, it keeps blowing my mind that you wrote this pre-quarantine and pre-everything that's happened because I think as people read this, you know, if, you, if they would have been reading it in like 2019 or even January 2020, they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is all great in theory. But now we've lived it as like a globe, as a world population for the last three, four months. And so you can really see the, you can see live examples, like, uh, you know, real life examples of the things that you mentioned in your book and um, the way that work is changing. And again, like we talked about earlier, it's a, there's a reevaluation of like, what is important to me? And like, what can a computer do? that what can I do that a computer can't I talk a lot about hospice work and like um Mm. one-to-one because no matter how much like I always say like if anybody's freaked out about robots taking over their job I'm like develop empathy develop compassion use your heart uh sink into those like awkward feelings that you're like oh I'm too busy to deal with that it's like no that's exactly what you have to deal with that is exactly what you have to confront in your life and as a society because Yes, there will be robots that can help elderly people stand up out of bed and put their socks on and, you know, do all these like miscellaneous tasks. Um, like maybe they'll be doing the dirty work. It's like there's a show in America called Dirty Jobs and there are some really disgusting jobs in the world that like, <laughs> it's like, holy cow, we still have people doing this. Um, but there, I don't, I personally don't believe that the soul of a human can ever be replaced by a, by yeah. a, by a robot. And like, I grew up spending so much time with elderly people and um, dying people because uh, my mother's a doctor. My mom's an internist and I spent a lot of time in hospitals with her and sitting with somebody, literally just sitting with somebody as they are kind of in those final weeks, final months, final years, even that is not something that a robot can, can do. And yeah. I, I'm not sure about in the UK, but I know in America, we're going through a huge, like a, a uh, population mushroom where the baby boomers are aging and increasingly they're going to need care. And um, our systems in the United States are, they've shifted from outside of kind of small communities where um, smaller pockets of communities where it's still traditional, like to live in family structures. The American system isn't like that. As soon as you age out of your own ability to take care of yourself or live in your home, if you don't have the resources to do that, you go to like a living facility. And so we're going to be seeing more and more of a shift toward caring for that population. I'm like, hey, if you want a job, develop some empathy and a good listening ear and, you know, go spend some time with somebody. So anyway, what what, what were we talking about, Anne? (laughs) Yeah, about about AA taking over jobs and you're right with the empathy and it's, there's something human that robots, and, and I've spoke to a number of experts on robotics, on AI, and they all say, I can't see any machine ever being able to do this. And I'll tell you one thing you can Google, and it is quite funny, inspirational quotes by AI, so artificial intelligence, writing. Now, inspirational quotes, they do, they, they give you a little perfect. Yeah. The AI ones, you will roll on the floor laughing. They are so, so bad. They, they say they'll have a beautiful picture of a sunset. And it'll say things like, you live, you die. That's it. You go, okay. <laughs> they are so, so bad. <laughs> that inspiration, they haven't got it. And it, they are really, really funny. It's worth looking them up. There's a website that, that, that generates them. And it is so, so funny. Because they haven't got it. But I believe we've all got some genius they say everyone has a book in them. I don't know if everyone has a book. It might be, it might be a movie. It might be a therapy, a new way to help people. There's lots yeah. and lots of ways to be a genius. It could be an invention. It could be a comedy show, making people laugh. But I think everyone has got genius. And most of us dive our music inside us. Most of us do not let that wonderful mm-hmm. idea out. So I spent a long time on this for the book. It's why it took me so long to write the book. 
because I really got into the subjects and yeah. NASA did a study and, and it's a fascinating study where they wanted to identify the creative geniuses in their workforce, particularly in their rocket scientists. I remember this. It's really good. And in their engineers. And the, they brought in these scientists. The study worked absolutely brilliantly well. They identified, identified the creative geniuses in NASA. And it was such a simple study that they started to roll it out and try it out on the public. And they tried it out on little kids. 97% of small children were classed as creative geniuses. And you watch little kids, they don't filter, they're not shy. They don't think, oh, that might be silly, I better not tell it. They just let their ideas roll. Um, mm -hmm. but type that, and then they, they tested people of different ages. And as the years went on, the rate of creative geniuses dropped to drop. By the time you're an mm -hmm. adult, I think it's about 4%. So what a shame, but you can bring that out. So I put a whole chapter on this of how to find that and bring it out. Let's get your, let's get your music out there, your beautiful idea, yeah. your, your game changer. Because one, it will give you a wonderful life. But it will also, you do something wonderful. It has the ripple effect on other people. So I really love this. I really love people finding their genius idea and I've had immense fun working with people and they suddenly go ah oh, that's what it is yeah in the book you have so many great case studies and then for pretty much every case study you have an activity or like a meditation or a visualization that I thought were really great like how to connect with your future self and um it reminds me I did a new moon ritual it was a Sagittarius ritual and in I grew up in Alaska and in like the Canadian um, Alaska region the native Alaskans used to use these things called anushkooks and they were like these um like cairns that they would build out of rocks so that native peoples could if they came up on one it was almost like a doorway so it's like oh if you look through here you'll know where the sun rises and the, and the sun sets or like where the um like caribou are going or it's it was just like an indicator that humans had been there so it's like oh you're on the right path like you're not lost in the tundra yeah. keep going uh. and so i wrote a ritual about it like how to look into a past life but i'm going to amend it and also suggest that folks look for anuskooks in their real life um for future lives and an anuskook is the you know the the native like uh, the native word native term for it, i believe it's the inuit people um but like we can all find in in those books i talked uh in the episode about past lives about how a woman had this anchor that it was like a tile in her house it was black and white and she said every time she would look at this black and white pattern she'd immediately go back into another life and wow. i can't remember if there's an example of this in your book but that might be a great starting place for people who are like well what's my future life look like what is like an anchoring thing that i can i can look at i can feel i can touch it um you know you talk a lot about that in like wealth generation tips um who talks about this denise tom denise duffield thomas talks a lot about this um you create an anchor for something that you want to create in your future life but yeah. maybe it's like you walking down the beach and feeling so great um at your beach home and feeling a certain way and then you have this big straw hat that is your your anchoring thing that then draws you into your physical or your future life so that's one way folks can do it um but i actually want to go ahead and start talking about the um oh wait before that you mentioned the NASA scientists and creativity and genius. And as I was reading that chapter, I kept thinking she's talking about NASA scientists, but she's also talking about intuitives, healers, um, mediums, clairvoyance, yeah. like anybody with an extrasensory ability, because we're all born with this, these skills, we come in using them innately. Um, and then we kind of are conditioned out of them by society, um, at least mostly in the Western world. But that's what I want to talk about, our three brains. So in the book, you talk about our three brains and you call them Saul, Becky, and Joe. Can you explain yeah. who are Saul, <laughs> Becky, who, who is Saul, Becky, and Joe? I, I love the example, but tell me about Saul, Becky, and Joe. Okay, well, this chapter was the one I got the most stuck on because I was so fascinated. I couldn't stop researching it and looking into it. I just got so absorbed in it. I kind of got about the rest of the book. And this is uh, part of the book that people talk to me a great deal about. Okay, so how you define a brain, the components of a brain, the neural pathways, memory, all the things that make up a brain, you've also got in your heart and your gut. They are brains. It, it's, not, it's not some spiritual thing. That is scientific. We have the same components in our heart and our gut. So, we know of three brains. There's very liable to be more in other parts of the body, very liable to be. But if you work with those three brains, now, 
I mentioned the three, three friends. So your head brain is obviously the logical you, great planner. We've all had a boss that's a head brain person. And they don't understand emotion, but they're very organized. The heart brain, most spiritual people are heart brain. That's great. They've got empathy. They've got understand. terrible at business because they, they, they do a thing from the heart. People take advantage of them. They're on every course under the sun, but don't sort of organize it. They love and they're wonderful people. But they wonder why they're not progressing. And the gut people are quite, that's how we originated. This is our primitive side. And that's people mm -hmm. that maybe had a tough upbringing or very ambitious, their gut. So they take action. And they also got a good sense of danger. Now, we often, we're in the wrong brain when we make decisions. That's why when you bought the car and you did it from your heart, and you love that car. And the next day your head says, what you do that for? You can't afford that. How look at the repayments. And, and your gut's going, it's a bit scary to drive. It's a bit big for me. So what we do, say you're going to go and buy that car, you bring, focus on the car and you imagine bringing that energy into your heart. And you go, I love it. I love that car. Mm -hmm. If you don't love it, get it. Stop right there. Then you just say, okay, I'm going to bring it up into my head. And you go, right, okay, I'm going to do the logical bit. I'm going to plan this. Okay, well, if I sell that other car and I do that and I do that, then I can afford it. Or actually, the repayments, maybe I need to rethink this a bit. If you still continue, you bring it down into your gut and you take action, but it'll also watch your back. So three friends. One is, say you've got three friends. You've got a friend that's logical, really smart. You've got a big dilemma to do with business. You go to your smart friend and he says, Right, I'm going to really write out a spreadsheet. I'm going to do all the logical stuff. You go to Becky and she looks at you and she'll just go, oh, do you know what? It feels so good for you. I can see you're going to love that. And then you go to your other friend who's the gut person. He'll just go, okay, I'm going to check this if it's dangerous in any way, if there's anything to watch out for. But I'm also going to kick you up the butt and make you make it happen. Now, yeah. why, would you only go, why would you only go to one friend when you've got three? Yeah, I feel like I uh, I'm, I'm, I use my Becky brain a lot. And I mean, I use my Becky brain to make any big decision. And I'm like, does it feel good in my heart or is it stuck in my gut? And I do a lot of like between the two because I'm always in my head, always, always, always. I never get out of my head. So then I'm like, I'm going to go to my heart and like check with my heart. What is Becky telling me? Okay, Becky says it's go. And then I always try to like, like mitigate my Joe brain. I'm like, Joe, you got to get out of here. Get out of my gut. <laughs> you, you had a really, great, you had a great case study. That's why I like your book. Is, um, I mean, I love the book, but for, for listeners, if you can get a chance to check it out, there's really great case studies where you can see how this would have played out. So in the book, you give a case study of a woman who um, had been dreaming of this like luxury apartment in a major you know, metropolitan city. And she spends basically her life going, like trying to achieve like this luxury apartment. And she finally achieves everything she needs to in business, buys the luxury apartment. And then as it gets closer to the time that she's supposed to move in, she starts getting really anxious and it's like waking up at night. And she logically can't think of a reason why, because her heart is saying, oh, I've like spent so long working for this. It's mine. I deserve this. I want this. It's mine. And her brain's going like, yeah, you can afford it. Everything's okay. Like we're good. So her, her mind is, you know, Saul's going, you're good. Becky's going, you're good. But Joe, her gut was waking her up and then going, something's not right. Something's not right. And she couldn't get the energy to move through the, through the different, you know, the chakras, as I would call them, but she couldn't get it out. And she said, that's it. Fine. I, I can't move in with this energy. So she sold it. And then two months later, the country went into complete economic collapse. The value of the home was completely lost. And she, you know, was able to like preserve her life savings, if I'm remembering the story correctly, but essentially, and then the other cool thing that had happened was, and I thought this was really funny, because I know this side of the equation was that the people who ended up purchasing the apartment were attached to an embassy. And, you know, an embassy is like kind of required to maintain certain level of like housing standards and security and whatever. And so the property was going to be okay. So she's like, Oh, my apartment that I love so much is going to be okay. So it was like, if she ever wanted or needed to come back and get it at a later time, she kind of could. So I just thought that was like such a great real world example of how you can kind of work in concert with these three brains, you know, because they all store memories and they all, you know, communicate to us and process information in different ways. Yeah, they, so. all, they will all alert you in different ways. The, the, one of the things people don't understand is the different brains speak different languages, which is why if you've got that stress in your stomach because you've got to do a big event or tackle uh, something a bit scary, and in your head you're going, calm down, calm down. Your guts not, doesn't speak the same language. You might as well speak 
speak some of, you might be speaking Martian because uh, your gut doesn't understand that. So it's all about settling down that, settling down and going through all three. And that's when yeah. you get the real answer. Yeah, that's when you get. And, that yeah, and, it's, what, and yeah. it's almost like you need you, you need Becky to translate. Like, I feel like uh, Saul yes. and Joe can't always talk to each other. Because yeah. I, I say this to my husband all the time. I'm like, babe, logically, I know. I totally understand what you're saying. I, I completely, it's all rational. It's all black and white. I totally get it. I'm on board. My body is saying another thing. I'm totally freaking out. And I'm trying to like, you know, use EFT to move this out of my body. But I think that like <laughs> having Becky, the Becky brain, your heart brain, um, to translate between the two. Um, another thing I wanted to say is so for any lunar manifestation members that are listening, um, I, so I write monthly new and full moon rituals. And we've got a Virgo full moon ritual that talks about like our micro and macro biomes and how our gut health can like predict our brain health and um, can give yeah. us indications from our physical environment. And so I just think this is really cool learning to tap into like our different, mm. our different body systems and our different ways of intuiting the world. But before we go any further, Anne, I wanted to make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you and get a copy of their book if they would like to. Yeah, sure. So where can we find you? I'm on, I'm on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook and Josh. Uh, the spelling will be up there, A-N-N-E, then J-I-R-S, sugar, C-H. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can go to anandjersh.com. The book is uh, Future Vision, Your Working Life. I'd love you to get it because I, I really have put a lot in there. I'm, I, people say I give a lot of information and that, I, I, that is my aim. So it has got, got a lot of information, a lot of exercises, a lot of processes and there'll be something in there that will make a difference, I'm sure, to yeah. each person. Absolutely. I, I recommend, I mean, read it from front to back first. Um, but if maybe like going through all of the exercises, because you have it broken up into like kind of like the 10 things that you're going to need to know going into the future. Yeah. And I, I was reading it. I was reading a digital copy, but I thought to myself, I would love to have this on my nightstand. And what I would do with it is, and I do this with like other books, like Florence Goebbelshin books, or just whenever I'm like, what do I need to write, read right now? I'll just like close my eyes and kind of fan through the pages and I'll stop. And then I'll go back and yeah. you know, if it lands in the middle of the chapter, I'll kind of start and I'll be like, okay. And sometimes it'll land on like a case study or whatever, mm -hmm. or guided meditation. And I think that might be a really fun, intuitive way to use it. Yeah. As we all know we have. Um, after reading Anne's book, you will definitely know how to connect to your intuition. Even if you're like as corporate as corporate gets, even if you're as mainstream as it gets, this will be a nice little introduction into kind of some other modalities that are available to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then before we wrap this up, because this hour is done quick, I want to um, ask you about some work from home tips that you have, because you wrote about them last year before we as a world <laughs> knew we would need them. And then um, what skills do we need today that our grandparents didn't? And how have you used this technique in your life? Also, before we wrap up, I want to tell you about a really sweet message. I literally sent my grandma last night after reading the book. Um, I'll tell you about that in, in a minute. So tell me about how we can work from home. <laughs> okay, well, working from home, it, I mean, my generation isn't so good at the technology and we have to get on with it. So find somebody younger that knows what they're doing or we have to... We are going to be more online. That is the bottom line. Whatever you do, you're, you're already ahead of the game. You've got your show online. While we, we've got this lockdown, but if you're going to be at home more, one of the things you need is a structure to your day. It's very, very important. The minute we went into lockdown, I still set my alarm at a certain point. I got up, I left the house because my office is just 10 minutes from the house and there's nobody else upstairs here. So I've literally, throughout the lockdown, nobody else out and about, Everyone at home, I've driven to my office because I say it's isolated. Um, I made sure I kept my routine. I went home at a certain time, had dinner at a certain time. We need a structure to our day. Otherwise, the days I found the people that are wobbly, and you've got to remember, we might well be working at home a lot more, having a structure mm -hmm. to, to the day. But one of the things we're beginning to lose, and I've seen this over the last 20 years, is our try. Our tribe, where yeah. we need to find our tribe. So your tribe was where you grew up, you know, and, you know, people where you grew up. Imagine going back to grandmother's day. Her tribe was her mates, the people she went to school with, the people that lived there. Yeah. Right? Most people didn't move far away back, back in the day. So your tribe, the people um, who are like-minded, of course, the internet can bring them to you. 
Uh, and I, I think after Facebook, I keep thinking after Facebook, that there'll be something new where you find your tribe more and it will be very much subject groups. It'll yeah. Be much subject spiritual groups. You talked about that in um, in the end of the book, and I'm going to do a shameless plug. If you're looking for a spiritual tribe, come join Lunar Manifestations. It's a monthly co-creation station where we um, we do new and full moon ceremonies together. It's uh, like-minded and kind-hearted folks. It's a safe, sacred space off of social media. So I know that there are a lot of like, there's like so much available on social media. Um, I consciously chose to stay off social media for all of my 20s while I was developing my career and my personal identity. So I wasn't doing it in like a, echo chamber where I was only showing the best of my life or always only seeing like the highlight reel of other people's. So I spent all of my 20s off of it and now re-entering it in my 30s. I'm like, oh, same game, same game, new players. Um, and there are some really great places within social media that you can find a tribe. So I'm not opposed to that. Um, but what I offer with my Lunar Manifestations group is that it's off social media. We have our own app. We have our own website. And we're allowed to be anonymous in that space. So you don't have to show up as like your profile picture. Um, and I think that that gives people kind of like, um, like it's an anonymity cloak where you can come in and be like, hi, this is my soul. This is where I'm at in my spiritual development or in my life. Um, and it takes off the kind of pressure. I always say that it was how I first started developing as a medium, I needed to go and anonymously attend development circles where I, my career wasn't going to be jeopardized. I mean, I was moving up the ranks. My spouse was moving up the ranks. I was like, I cannot be outed as a weirdo who talks to dead people. Like that will just jeopardize, that, that will jeopardize everything. Now I know that's just not the case. And it's actually my strength is that I'm, I'm very open-minded and I'm willing to embrace people wherever they are. Um, but what you talk about in the book, you, Thomas Power, who's an entrepreneur business advisor and business advisor says you need a tribe. And it needs to be small, um, less than 20 people, but you do need to be part of maybe many tribes. So yeah. find a way to find your tribes. And then you also talk about in the book that um, these like, there'll be like these like micro, micro tribes, like of less than 20 people. But um, oh, what was I, I had a thought that it was kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like a very niche group and like yeah. people meet up and it's a way to kind of honor the different aspects of your personality. Yeah. And then... One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was the importance of straddlers. So you talk about straddlers towards the end of your book. Could you tell us about straddlers? Because I think a lot of folks who might be listening to this, because we talk about where the metaphysical meets the mainstream, they might be straddling that world. That is really interesting. Do you know, not many people pick up on that. And I think it's vital. So uh, give me an example of a, of a straddler. It's somebody in the business world that's spiritual or somebody that's spiritual that's business-like. And I talked about in the book about how I noticed about 17 years ago, all of a sudden people were being open about using their intuition in the business world. They never used to, it'd be kept very quiet. And all of a sudden they were open about using psychics or you, or I did that on a hunch. And the people that are straddling, so that they're business-like, they're spiritual. And it could be somebody in the medical profession. Who have you got out in New York? It's um, Bernie Siegel, the great Bernie Siegel. He wrote his books many years ago, but he's a New York surgeon. But he would mm -hmm. talk to people's subconscious mind, he'd get them to visualize. And he had huge breakthroughs. His patients have always done so much better than the other cancer doctors and doctors and surgeons because he knew he used certain techniques. He would be what I would call a, a straddler. So he's a surgeon. He's doing incredible work. Apparently he's a credible surgeon, but he also straddles into the spiritual world. Now, I think we're at a point where we need people to bridge the two. As mm -hmm. we go into the future, we do need the left brain and the right brain. So, you know, you've met spiritual people that just wave at the fairies. They, they live in a pink castle three miles up and two miles over. They're not grounded. They're not kind of... And that's great. It's great fun, but they will hit problems. You also need the left. I, I had a friend years ago and she just, she'd go and buy loads of spiritual stuff, not pay her bills. You know, that's an extreme. Mm. We need the left brain to put things into action. So we yep. so say you use, your, you use your intuition, you get the ideas, but you still have that left brain. So I think the stragglers, I love, I love the way they straddle, they take things. From, from where they are, and they might be an engineer, can find a way to make cleaner water, clean energy. Yeah. They're the strategy. You talk, you talk about that. There's, um, in the very last chapter of the book, there's a great case study of a woman who's like an oil and gas executive. 
And yeah. she's working in the Middle East and then was going to go to Yemen and start this project and yeah. they could see the need for it. But the country just wasn't ready for that influx of, of mm. you know, in, industry, essentially. And then so she came back and was like, well, I now have this new future self that I'm working with who is using these skills for the betterment of humanity, not just to like line people's pocketbooks. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she essentially using FLP, future life progression, she found her purpose to utilize her knowledge of like the oil and gas and energy industries for the good of humanity. And in her future life, she was helping people transition into new new jobs and transform the education and training models so that uh, folks would be employable for jobs that didn't even exist yet. So, I mean, an example might be like people training for, you know, green jobs that don't exist yet or like, with, yeah. you know, just different things. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and then the other thing we, just to get back to that tribes thing we were talking about was that, you know, as people work more and more from home or on their own, they will need IRL, like in, in real life connection. Um, and we're seeing that now during the, you know, the quarantine um, and events will be very, very niche. And that's yeah. like, you know, they say the riches are in the niches or whatever, how you say niches. <laughs> and so I think that like the riches of our experience will be in those smaller, more intimate groups. And what was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about? You had a great note in, in your book about a study uh, from 1999 that compared the pace of life in 31 major cities from across the globe. Yeah. And they used three key indicators, which was this, the average speed of walking, um, how quickly postal clerks served you, should be the DMV in America, and the accuracy of clocks. And they discovered that the pace of life was faster in economically developed countries and that the speed of the walkers, like people who physically walked places, um, which we don't do much of in America anymore, um, was temper increased by 10% when they repeated the study um, 10 years later in 2007. So they found that people who walk fast tend to eat fast too, talk fast, and were more impatient mm -hmm. and were irritated by slow walkers and waiting in queues. Um, and there are also correlations between fast walkers and several um, health issues, including heart disease. And you know, the accelerated speed of change has a trickle-down effect. And I, I bring that up because Thomas Power in the book also talked about this big uh, shift moving all of our transactions like financially onto a blockchain, which I'm not like super crypto <laughs> uh, <laughs> crypto fluent, but apparently it's like a way that we can track our products from the farm or forest um, to the fork and yeah. to be able to track every single purchase. And I talk a lot about this in my work is that, you know, if you want to be the change that you you wish to see in the world, it literally starts with a penny in your purse. So every penny that you spend, and sometimes it can, this can be hard, especially as a mother and anybody, like we're just busy and sometimes we just need convenience and we need to get on with our days. But if you track the pennies that you're, that you're using to purchase, you can purchase change in the world. Like your pennies can literally be the thing that we use to change. And I, I correlate this to the walking faster and everything because I live in rural Africa right now. And it's so true. I mean, I got here and the pace of life, I was coming from DC where if somebody took more than two minutes to get something done, I was like, excuse me, you've just wasted two minutes of my day. You owe me $70 <laughs> right now because I had something else that I had to do. And I'm like, who am I? Who have I become? Because I grew up in rural Alaska. My mom, my mom was an internist who spent two hours with her patients, asking them about everything that was under the sun and just making sure they got the best service. And that was how a lot of people where I grew up were just for, you know, across the board, whether it was clerk at the bowling alley or the librarian, whoever you cared about people. And yeah. I'm hoping that as you, you know, kind of predicted in your book, we are going to be increasingly working from home and increasingly having more time to kind of think about where our dollars are coming and going and how this maybe slower pace of life can shift us in these, you know, one degree increments so the entire industries aren't collapsing overnight, but we are training our children, we're training our workforces, um, we're, you know, retraining folks into careers that are, are just better for us globally as a, as a species, are yeah. better to our planet, because you talk about that in the book that basically the earth will not forgive us anymore. Like mother earth has had it. And she's like, you know what? <laughs> you guys are coming up with the solutions fast enough. So here's a pandemic deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm joking, but not really, because that is, it's like when your hand is forced to make these big changes. Yeah. It's, you know, so anyways, I can't remember the other thing. I, there was just so much. And I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'll, I'll wrap it up in a second. But the last thing I, I do want to say is I want to thank you because you had a chapter in the book about our ancestors. And there's this saying um, in the States that 
Um, I'm my ancestors' wildest dreams, um, or I'm my grandmother's wildest dreams. And sometimes I think about, as a former history teacher, um, the hundred I teach in hundred years spans. I'm like, okay, hundred years ago, what was going on? In a hundred years, what will happen? I'm gonna start thinking in like maybe a couple hundred after doing all my FLP stuff. Um, we think back about like what were people doing a hundred years ago, and could they have ever envisioned what we have now? You know, you talk about in the, in the book, we carry around on our mobile phones literally more than you could pack in a couple of suitcases. Yeah. even 20 years ago, let alone a hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah. And so I wrote my grandma a quick little note yesterday on a text message where she's in Pennsylvania and I'm here in, in rural Africa. We got some, we, we used our tax refund to um, build pews in a, in a village church because they were all standing. And I put her name on it and I'd send it to her. And I just said, you know what, grandma, I just want to thank you for the life that you lived and the sacrifices that you made and the commitment to future generations, because I am now the change that you wish to see in the world. And I'm actually living out the things that a hundred years, well, maybe not a hundred years, she's 95. So 30 years ago, I don't know that she would have ever imagined would be possible for her life, let alone her grandchild. And so I just think about these leaps and bounds in generations, but what if we could as individuals go into our own futures and say, instead of waiting five years to do that thing I wanna do. So this is for our listeners, this is a call to action. What is it that's in your heart, that's in your soul, that five years from now you want to do, 10 years from now from you, you want to do, six months from now, yeah. go and meet that person and ask them what you need to do right now to bring that into your physical reality. Because if it's in your soul, if it's in your energy, it's not going anywhere. It'll just, it's just waiting for you. So why, why not jump to it? And I think you, you provide so many great techniques in your book for people to do that. Absolutely. When we do a session, what we do is we, feel what it feels like. If you feel something, you'll make it happen. So when you go into the future and your future self is saying maybe develop something new or is much happier or, you know, in a good space, feel what that feels like and bring it back. And then you bring it back into current consciousness and you will see change in yourself and what's happening around you very, very quickly. That's, yeah. what's, been, that's what's been exciting to see us bring that future energy. The other thing on the website that I've think you'd, you'd like. I do a meditation where you go 50 years into the future. As we are now, this is how the world will be. Then we go and find the best possible future for the world in 50 years. What mm -hmm. do we collectively and individually need to know to make it happen? And I think that's it because it's only tweaking little changes. Look how the world has flourished while we've been at home. If we just stay at home a little bit more, we haven't been able to go and buy loads of things. I've known people have never sewn a button on in their life. They've sewn a button on something. Wow. You know, so, so that change, you know, just those small changes will make over time, 50 years time, the world could be much, much better. You know, I just got butterflies in my stomach because I was remembering, I did one of the meditations um, in your book and it was about meeting yourself. And I feel like it was like meeting your future self, but it gave like a hundred years I, I can't remember what the time was, but the person that I met, I was like, girl, you're floating. Like, how are you moving about? Like, is this hydro, like, what are you suspended on? Your hair is <laughs> stunning and you're fit and you're like all the things. And my skin was dipped. Like it was, I was almost like, um, kind of avatarish. And I was like, okay, am I on another planet? Have we, have we <laughs> like started breeding with aliens? And now we have our intergalactic feet. Like it was kind of a little bit of a mind trip. And then I came out of it and I was like, well, that was really fun. What are some of the personality traits of this woman, this future self of mine that I can take on now? Um, because I don't necessarily see myself like hovering through my home and like, you know, like um, George Jetson style living. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, hold on a second. I'm, I'm doing exactly what Anne says not to do with a book, which is like, don't stop yourself from bringing it back. Because if you can imagine it, that's how it's created. I mean, talk about like Nikola Tesla was like an inventor from over a hundred years ago and you know yeah, yeah, covering yeah. cars and electric cars and it's like okay now it's happening less than a hundred years yeah. uh, later and so I was like well there's no way this could happen in anything less than a thousand years because if you look at like modern human evolution I'm just like there's just no way any of this could happen and I'm like well is that true is that actually true and so while I don't know that I'll like have like glowing kind of avatar radiant skin and um anyways you guys should be, go do this because then like you'll almost get like kind of like you'll fall in love a little bit with your future self and I think it's a great self-love activity because I'm like I really like that girl I want to hang out with her more like how do I how do I bring her back into this life 
So definitely go and do it. And when you meet that person, don't second guess what they're telling you and don't put a timeline on it because like you said earlier, you had three books basically pop out of nowhere. And I'm always telling um, our listeners that you can literally manifest whatever you can feel your way into. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. And well, um, so you guys make sure you check the show notes to get anything that you need from Anne or myself. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow Golden Otter Divinations on Instagram where you can check in and let me know about your golden moments so Spirit and I and your future self can cheer you on. And also, if you'd like to contact me or join my monthly um, membership, Lunar Manifestations, visit my website. It's goldenotter.us. Golden, like the precious metal. Otter, like the precious animal.us. And um, take a minute to sign up for some inbox goals so you can stay up to date on all things Golden Otter. So I want to thank my guest today, Andrew, for sharing just an amazing way that we can tap into our future life and move forward in this new world that we're all collectively experiencing. And I want to thank you all for tuning into Golden Otter Divinations. I had an amazing time sharing this sacred co-creation space with you. So have a great week and I'll feel your positive eyes back here next time. Thanks so much. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. All right, Lightworker, thank you so much for tuning in to Golden Otter Divinations. For more tools to uplevel your metaphysical game, get your questions answered, and connect with me at the next live new or full moon, join my Lunar Manifestations co-creation tribe now by heading to the link in the show notes. It's www.goldenotterdivinations.com forward slash join now. You can also get a copy of any of the rituals we discussed by clicking the link in the show notes or heading over to our Golden Otter Divinations YouTube channel, where I share practical ways to incorporate these metaphysical tips into your everyday life. You can also message me on Instagram for more information. Lastly, if this moon thing's not for you, but you want to connect with me in real time, you can schedule a private one-to-one session by heading to the book now link in the show notes. It's always my honor co-creating with you in this sacred co-creation space. Until we meet again with love and light, Autumn.